The great William Shakespeare said there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. It's interesting, the older I get, the more I find that the wisdom of the ancients is timeless. Have you ever heard of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? Yes. Morons. I have wondered in some sense, as I have read, and you and I have journeyed often into many of these different theories, if the opening of the industrial mind didn't actually close the door to another mind, another world that is there, but one that requires the eye of the soul to see. The last 250 years of materialism, which has made our lives truly so deeply rich, has likewise left our souls so deeply unenriched. We see more physically than we have ever seen before, but we see less as a whole with our soul than we have ever seen. We have eyes to see, but we see not, ears to hear, but we hear not. And that is not merely a description of the world, the non-church, so to say. Probably, if I were absolutely honest, and I have said this for a long time, the most materialistic, non-spiritual group in Western culture is the church, and of course I put that in air quotes, church, very loosely. But the fact of the matter is, in fact, a, a hard argument can be made for the fact that the church is lost in a quagmire of materialism, both economically and philosophically. Now, the world, on the other hand, seems to be slowly waking up. There seems to be a new dawn of spiritual reality within the world. However, this spiritual reality will not be redemptive as they hope. In fact, it's going to be horrific. It's going to be a time, what the Bible calls tribulation. But, nonetheless, they are waking up to the fact that there is something more, whether they call it quantum, dimensional, they're seeing that, interestingly enough, while the church seems to be closing its mind more and more. The world is seeing, feeling, and beginning to ask questions that we, supposedly as the church, have had the answers to, or at least should have had the answers to, for almost, well, 6,000 years. Now, all this is to say that the world around us may not be as closed off may not be as discovered, as easily cataloged as we tend to think that it is. Space may not be space as we know it. Dimensions might not be limited. Quantum reality may be far more complex than we realize. Stars might not be stars. Planets not planets. And the shape of the earth may be more, let us say, circular than globular, if I can make up a word. The Flat Earth Society. And the very nature of Earth itself, which is the point of our discussion today. The inner Earth and what lies within, behind, or underneath, may be more complex, inhabited, and frankly, more spooky than we have ever realized. In a sense, that is what Eric Norman is writing about in his book, the under people. He is warning and investigating about something that is very profound. The book cover states amazing documented facts about the bizarre inhabitants of the center of the earth. The under people, the startling discovery of a lost world, which as we mentioned already is eerily similar 
to the upside down and to what many people, even in the show I remember that was out years ago, um, oh, what was that, Fringe, I think, was talking about uh, another dimension. Now, the book, The Under People, covers several big mysteries, and they're very interesting. Questions that lead into questions that lead into other questions. For instance, there is the mystery of the under people themselves. Who are they? Do they really exist deep within the bowels of the earth? Can they be reached or reasoned with? Are they dangerous? And then there is the inner world. How much actual evidence do archaeologists have of its existence? You know, that's a fascinating thing. A lot of people believe that one of the most secretive organizations in the world is the Smithsonian. Some people believe that the Smithsonian actually has in their uh, stored away catalog remains of giants. I have even heard some people make the case that the Smithsonian has actually discovered the Ark of the Covenant and that the entire Indiana Jones original movie was based on loosely real events that took place. Can folk legend formerly construed as fantasy now be considered fact? How credible are the sworn testimonies of many who claim to have visited the inner earth society? Eric Norman has provocative questions and even more provocative answers. Then there is the issue of the shaver mystery. Is it a hoax? Or is it a paranormal breakthrough into inner planetary life? And then there is the mystery of the hollow earth. This is an extraordinary compendium of facts, information, and theories that go beyond the realm of speculation to present the fascinating possibility of life beneath the surface of our known world, a possibility no reader will be able to put aside. So the book itself is dealing with many very interesting mysteries, and many of these mysteries have a great deal to do with the Bible. I do think, though, there is a very interesting section that cranks off here. And allow me just a moment to read. He talks about the legends of the underpeople. Norman writes, come along on a journey into the bizarre world of the hollow earth, the home of the underpeople. The purpose of our extensive exploration is to obtain a factual, unbiased report on one of the most fascinating of the many occult mysteries. The popular belief that our planet is a hollow sphere and the inner land is populated by an advanced race. These alien beings are said to dwell inside the interior of the earth in a civilization of superior technology. As we shall see, the hollow earth theory is a strange and curious one, even dotted with the icons of imaginative fantasy. It is ringed by the lunatic fringe and cloaked in a powerful aura of mystery. Despite such admitted shortcomings, past researchers and present believers have produced a surprising amount of circumstantial evidence to support their curious contention. Norman quotes, in a sense to try to ask the question, by saying, Science can inform us on the composition of moon rocks, which... I call that into question, but that's another case. You are fake news. He continued, learned scholars have an almost unlimited budget to probe the other planets. Yet with all of this supposed amazing technology, our scientists still cannot pinpoint the location of the north or south magnetic poles. We cannot define gravity. We don't know the depth of the Earth's crusts. It is pure speculation. Our polar regions remain unmapped, unsurveyed and comprise a vast region of great, unknown, some believe, limitless resources. The whole matter of the nature of the very earth is paradoxical. 
Now, we know when we take what he has written and what other writers have written that there is some very interesting connection. We know spiritually that there is a great deal of activity going on in the inner earth. We know that the Bible teaches that hell is in the inner of the inner earth and that it is actually a two compartment separated by a great gulf. A great gulf of what we're not told. We know that there are beings kept under chains in the inner earth, according to the Bible. We know that the witch at Endor stated in 1 Samuel that she saw gods ascending out of the earth. We know that Christ in his redemptive role entered into the lower parts of the earth and led captivity captive. We know all these things spiritually because the Bible teaches that. The question now is, what do we mean by spiritual? And again, I think here is where the term has thrown us off. Spiritual does not mean not real. Spiritual beings have real location in time, space. They have real influence in the material world. By definition, spiritual to some degree is simply subatomic, some subphysicalness, if I can coin another word. But it is there nonetheless. Some have even made the case that the Bible speaks of Melchizedek and that Melchizedek was actually a survivor with a group of people from the Garden of Eden and that the Garden of Eden was actually hidden by God pre-flood in the inner earth and that paradise is that other side separated by a great gulf is actually the Edenic paradise and that the offspring that did not sin of Adam and Eve are there in paradise. It's a pretty wacked out theory, but it is there nonetheless for us to think about. And when we begin investigating, what you begin to do is you begin to see and connect dots across the board that across countries, across anthropological people groups, this same theme of something going on in the inner earth keeps cropping up over and over and over again. Now, that is exactly what Eric Norman is talking about in his book. He gives us several different examples of people. For instance, the Scandinavian legends tell us, Norman writes, of the world of Ultima Thule, a tropical paradise. Interesting word. The Bible in the book of Luke calls it Abraham's bosom. Possibly. A tropical paradise in the north. Many people have felt that Ultima Thule was Greenland. Yet that land is covered by a vast, a, a vast ice cap. In ancient Greece, the people longed for the Elysian fields and the mysterious land of the Delphi. The Egyptians called it the land of heaven in their ancient book of the dead. In Asia Minor, many, Minor, many folk tales talk about the magic city of Shambhala. It is there that the temple of the golden flowers is said to be the very garden of the gods. You can also find this kind of vocabulary about the land beyond the land in Persian folklore. The Spaniards talk about it. The conquistadors when they came to this country with the Aztecs, the Mayans, it is across the board. As I said, it doesn't prove the case, but there's enough circumstantial evidence that some people somewhere somehow came up with the idea that something is in the center of our earth. Now, Norman writes that there is an interesting Germanic folklore that tells of a land where the inner people live. A similar legend can be found in Persia. Wherever you go in the surface world, 
There are stories about the inner earth, Thomas More's utopia, the Shangri-La of the Tibetan monks, and the happy hunting ground of our American Indians are all the same legend, simply told from a different perspective. There is either a longing among all mankind for a perfect society, or else we have a very close link with beings from the hollow earth, and I would submit to you that both of those statements are true. An extremely fascinating legend was told to the Spanish conquerors when they came to Mexico in quest for gold and glory. The conquistadors, hardy horse soldiers, were accompanied by numerous priests who hoped to convert the, quote, pagan Indians to Christianity. Many of the Indian, Indians readily accepted Christianity. It was better to them to accept that than to burn at the stake. And of course, Jesuits and their theology is another show for another time. But one group was reluctant to give up their beliefs. Hostile, tight-lipped, and suspicious of all white men, the Zuni Indians were a secretive group who seldom welcomed an outsider. They were persistent, almost mysterious, and a problem to the Spaniards. Quote, we should move them from those deserts and bring them into the cities, a kind-hearted Spanish nobleman suggested. They certainly can't live in those dry lands. I have been in their Pueblo cities, a captain of the conquistadors replied. They have lush fields of corn and grain growing in the desert. The water is rare there, the nobleman said. How could this be? Well, their wise men tell them where to plant their crops. It is the tallest corn in the land. The Zuni Indians often sought the advice of their tribal elders. Those wrinkled wise men said the Zuni had come out of the earth many moons ago. They were led by a man and a woman, magical beings who possessed the absolute powers of evil and good. Now what's interesting is they believed that this man and this woman came out of the earth. Again, some have made the archaeological historical case that when Noah came off the ark, that he went around the world. There's that case that possibly others and their immediate descendants before the the age of man began to really decline rapidly around the time of Peleg if you run your Bible chronology. But the fact of the matter is these Zuni Indians had an advanced technology and what they believed is that somebody out of the inner earth had told them how to get the most out of their crops, out of their culture, how to use advanced technology. You can see this as you read many of Norman's quotes in here from other lands and other peoples. Now it is not just ancient Zuni Indians that felt this way. What's fascinating is the connection, if you do any research at all, between Nazis, the Thule Society, occultism, the, North, uh, the South Pole and Antarctica, and the Inner Earth. The Nazis, it has been rumored and written about very much, believed that the answer lies in the Antarctic and that they had actually established a base there at one time. Others state that Admiral Byrd, the famous Admiral Byrd, was the one who actually discovered entrance into this inner world. And you can actually watch clips of him talking about Antarctica and the land beyond and the limitless resources that are there. This is not a crazy guy. This is an admiral, a man who was a researcher, a man who who understood what he was talking about. Listen yourself, look at him, tell me, does this sound like the words of a confused old man? I must say that Admiral Byrd, our guest tonight, is not only our greatest living explorer, but he's been an inspiration to countless Americans. Admiral Byrd, you've been to both the North Pole and the South Pole. Is there any unexplored land left on this earth 
that might appeal to adventurous young Americans? Uh, yes, there is. And not up around the North Pole, because it's getting crowded up there now, because they find out it's really usable, not only to live in, but militarily. But strangely enough, there's left in the world today an area as big as the United States that's never been seen by a human being. And that's beyond the pole on the other side of the South Pole from Middle America. And it's, uh, I think it's quite astonishing that there should be an area as big as that unexplored. That's a tremendous So challenge. there's a lot of adventure left down at the bottom of the world. And so you can hear for yourself that there is a world that he believes lies beyond the ice wall and maybe even not just a world beyond the ice wall, but maybe a world within the world. Now, as always, we're always looking for biblical connections. That's what the soul trap does. We connect dots. And if the dots aren't there, sometimes we put the dots there. But nonetheless, we try to connect the dots that already exist. And in the book, in the story here, there's a story told by Olaf Jansen. Olaf Jansen tells a story, and this was an ancient, ancient story, how that he and his father were able to sail beyond the ice wall and even into the inner world. Now, before we follow up with that story, I want to stress that this concept of ancient archaeology, ancient inner world, is not just some kook fly-by-night. If you ever get the chance, you ought to look at Graham Hancock's book, The Underworld, The Mysterious Origins of Our Civilization. It is a fascinating book. It's a thick book. You could also use it for self-defense, but it is a fascinating book about what's under the water. Of course, one of his most famous books that we often refer to here on The Soul Trap is Fingerprints of the Gods. And then there is a great book written by Michael Cremo and Richard Thompson, again called Forbidden Archaeology. There's a lot more out there than you realize. And maybe there's a lot more out there being hid on purpose because they don't want you to realize. Every once in a while, somebody say, why is there a conspiracy? What would be a conspiracy about the world and the nature of the globe and space and all this? Why would, why would they want to hide all of that? Because all of it, ladies and gentlemen, points to the truth of the Bible, and the truth of the Bible points to the truth of God. And that fundamentally is the greatest of all mysteries, and the greatest conspiracy is the denial of God's reality and presence. So I said all that to say that when you're seeing and reading this book by Norm and the Under People, and this is not just fanciful talk. Now, to go back to the story of Olaf Jansen, he said that his father and him sailed beyond the ice wall, <coughs> excuse me, and that they believed that they were able to sail into the inner earth. It's a fascinating story. They believed that there was an opening at the northern region. And when they got into the inner earth, they believed and they talked about that they encountered advanced technology. I've often wondered what that looked like. Would we understand advanced technology if we saw it? Would we understand the advanced technology of, say, Ezekiel's vision? Or the advanced technology of Elijah's uh, chariots of, of fire, really? Would we understand what does the spirit world look like to us? They encountered advanced technology. Wait for it. Secondly, they encountered giants. There were giants prior to the flood. We know that there were some giants after the flood, and there are reports that have come out of Afghanistan and the Persian lands that there were giants that were found during the Iraq-Persian Gulf War. People say all the time, where are the giants? 
Well, it depends on what you define by giant. You could be defining them mentally. You could be defining them physically. But it's possible that the giants have maybe returned home. Olaf Jensen here believed that when they went into the inner earth, they encountered an advanced technology, giants. And as you read the story, what's fascinating to me is something that might not catch your attention right off. On page 89, as he's talking about his story, here's what he says. Quote, in agriculture, there was an abundance of agriculture and vegetation in the inner earth now. And here it is. The fruit was especially delicious. However, their grapes were as large as an orange. A cluster of grapes was several feet in length. There were forests with giant grape trees, and on occasions we even saw large herds of cattle. Now, why does that capture my attention? Why does that catch our attention? Okay, let's connect a dot. This guy says that they went past the northern barrier, and they found this massive, huge entrance into the inner earth. When they went in, and I'll let you read the rest of it yourself, they encountered advanced technology and advanced civilization. They encountered giants and fruit, grapes specifically, and the grapes are the size of oranges. Now, why does that catch my attention? Because when I take that dot and connect it with the Bible, the Bible says that when the spies, the 12 spies that went into the promised land, when they went, they got these cluster of grapes and brought them back to show the children of Israel. Now, what would stand out to you? Picture being in Publix or Piggly Wiggly or Aldi's or Walmart or wherever, and there's a bag of grapes. I, I don't care how nice the grapes are, I've never felt the need to get a long pole, take that bag of grapes, hang it on that pole, and between me and somebody else, carry it out to the car and all the way home simply to show them the size of the grapes. Have you? No. But they did in Canaan. The children of Israel did. did. In fact, they were so impressed by the grapes that required two grown men to carry one cluster between the two of them that they brought the grapes back to show the children of Israel. These grapes were big, exactly like what the story is talking about. It was shocking proof. And what's even more connective is what was in the land of Canaan at the time when these massive grapes were being grown? Giants. Giants. Giants have been with mankind. Now, as I mentioned just a moment ago, some ask, where have they gone? Well, the K-man behind the computer, who you rarely see, had a great theory the other day when we were all sitting around talking. He said, maybe it's not a physical giant, maybe the mental giants of our day are the incarnations of the modern Nephilim. I think that's a great thing to think about it. Maybe the giants are shapeshifters. Maybe they are able to shift how you see them. Maybe the giants were able to survive the flood and come back out the other side of the flood because they were able to go into the inner earth. And maybe the uniformity of pyramids around the world, in China, in Egypt, in South America, maybe those are not gateways to the stars. Maybe they're gateways to the gods, the gods that the witch of Endor saw ascending. Something is down there.
We know that spiritually from the Bible, but to what degree is that manifesting in the physical world? We know that something is down there, but to what degree, what shape, what size, those we yet fully see. But you might want to stick around. The biggest shock in 2024 might not be who gets elected. It might be what gets excavated. You might want to read this book, Eric Norman, The Under People, and what's going on beneath our feet as we speak. Admiral Byrd heard there was an entrance of the center of the earth through the South Pole. To the land of the lost. His squadron flew under the earth, into the earth. It turns into this lush and green area, and he can't even believe his eyes. Inside the cave is an entire growing ecosystem. And it's so deep that it looks like it's an entrance to a whole other reality. What's most notable about Songdong Cave are the strange creatures that are believed to dwell within it. Local residents describe seeing reptilian-type humanoid beings emerging from the Songdong Cave. There have been reports that during the Vietnam War in the 1970s, U.S. soldiers encountered what they described as upright lizards inhabiting caves. 